What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What will the backfields look like in Miami? What will the split look like in Denver, in Houston? We have room for a rookie running back in Houston or Atlanta maybe to emerge as a must-start guy. What about Seattle? They drafted Ken Walker in the second round, but is it really going to be Rashad Penny's job to lose? We'll talk about the biggest backfield battles, plus you know a little bit on the Cowboys, the Packers, the Cleveland Browns, those types of splits here on Fantasy Football Today on your Tuesday edition. And we have a live mock draft on YouTube coming up later. I'll tell you about that on uh, Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard. Jamie uh, we welcome Dave back here, and should we wish him a happy birthday or no? Or I, I can't believe you don't know Dave's birthday. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> happy okay. birthday, Dave! It's totally fine. Thank you very much. You're about a month early. Okay, <laughs> Jamie tricked me and said it was your birthday. Uh, Dave, in honor of being back, you, you get you get to go first. What's the if you're going to give me one backfield battle, the most important one for fantasy in training camp? What do you think it is? The most important one for fantasy, the, uh, can I just kind of change it to the one I'm most intrigued yeah. by? Because mm-hmm. it, it can end up being very important for fantasy. I want to know what Andy Reid's doing because he's he's got Ronald Jones there and he brought back Jarek McKinnon. And it what are you going to do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? You could literally get by with Rojo and McKinnon for however long they're healthy for in an offense that really is going to be Patrick Mahomes-centric. That's a team that's going to throw the ball a lot. So I, I, I'm curious what they're thinking. Maybe are they just throwing as many bodies as they can at the position? Uh, don't forget they have Derek Gore. They, they're, there's, it's an interesting group there. I'd like to see something defined so that we can take advantage of it in fantasy. I am scared we're going to see a two- to four-headed monster that's going to really piss us off. Okay, if we look at average draft position right now on fantasy pros, start using fantasy pros a little bit more. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is RB25. He's going 62nd overall. And Ronald Jones is going 117th overall as RB41. That's worth the price right there. Okay. And is it even worth drafting Jarek McKinnon? If it's full PPR with one of your last picks, you could take a chance. We saw how involved he was late last year in the playoffs. He was. In his last four games, including three playoff games, he had three catches, six catches, five catches, and three catches. He was really good for them. All right, Jamie, give me the backfield battle you'll be watching. 
Uh, the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, with a team that should certainly be very good at running the ball in some capacity because of the system that they're bringing into place with Mike McDaniel being the running back coordinator from the 49ers. I would hope that somebody can emerge as the lead guy. You know, Chase Edmonds seems the most likely because of his skill set to do everything. But we know Raheem Mostert has been successful when healthy, and he comes with Mike McDaniel from San Francisco. Sony Michelle is coming off a strong season last year as a backup slash starter in Los Angeles for the Rams. And so those three guys competing for that job and whatever maybe they still do with Miles Gaskin or even Savan Ahmed, um, I doubt it's one of those two. But still, the, the first three guys, someone will hopefully emerge as at least someone you can use I would like to say for the beginning of the season, but maybe for the majority of the season, but we know Mostert has a hard time staying healthy and Edmonds, you know, has never really been a featured guy. So we'll see how this all shakes out, but that's the one that intrigues me the most. And do you want a piece of that backfield, that Dolphins backfield? Uh, at the right price, you know, Edmonds, I think is still okay uh, based on where he's going. Um, you know, sixth, seventh round. Um, if you're, if you're just looking at the history of San Francisco, it's always been take the last guy. And so, I think Sony Michelle is probably going to end up being the last guy. Um, if Mostert's healthy, though, yeah, I'd right. take a shot, a shot on Mostert late if he's uh, if he's ready for training camp. Yeah, you're right. In ADP, it's Edmonds 93rd, Mostert 143rd, and Michelle 182nd. Um, all right. How many carries per game do you think Chase Edmonds gets if either Mostert or Michelle is is healthy as a running mate? 12. Ooh. 12 carries per game. If everybody's healthy, yeah, I think they'll mix and match. He Chase Edmonds has seven games in his career with 12 or more carries. And how many of them were last year? One. One. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, one, two, three, five. Right. But, yeah. but, but Connor wasn't healthy for some of them. How did he do in those games? You got it. What can you run down for? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly. Let's see. I'll look it up. Six games. Oh, no, that's James Conner. Let's see. Chase Edmonds. All right. Yeah, I'll... Uh, okay. Do I have it? Come on, please. I, I'm going to have it in about a minute. Damn it. I should have it in fewer than that. But what I would tell you is that they... You went 15 for 81, 12 for 120, Damn 12 it. for 63. Uh-huh. This is good. Good. Uh, we're not even talking about it. 43 catching the ball. 12 for 120, he had 4 for 19 catching the ball. 15 for 81, one catch for nine yards. And then the two at the end of the season when Connor wasn't there, he had 16 for 56 in the touchdown, 8 for 71 in the air, 18 for 53, and then 5 for 29. All right, so let me, let me give he, you this I stat think real he, quick. I bet he ends up getting a pretty good opportunity to get 12 carries per game <laughs> in the early going. And if he stinks with it, they've got a plan B and a plan C. Okay, he, whenever Edmonds has gotten work, he's been very productive. He's had nine games in his career with double-digit carries. Six of them came last season. In those nine games, his per-game averages in his career, his per-game averages, if you put them in 2021, he would have been RB8 in both non-PPR and full PPR. Um, you know, he had one huge game, that game against the Giants, his first game of his career with twenty with more than uh, 10 carries. Right, 2019. Uh, 2019, yeah. 27 carries for 126 yards, three touchdowns. But, um, yeah, I... 12 carries per game, It's that's interesting. He's only had five five games in his career with more than 12 carries. But, all right, hopefully. But you go back, go back to last year when he was the lead guy ahead of Connor. He had three of his first four games with at least 11 carries. So they were giving him those opportunities, remember, and they were also winning those games, and, and we saw Connor come in late in the game 
with some, you know, clock killing opportunities, you know, when the, the game was well out of hand. So he may have had more work in a couple of those games. One of those was Jacksonville in week three. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a scenario where he could be very good. Uh, he also could just stink because of multiple guys being there and taking the ball away from him. All right. I want to talk about the, just, this isn't a backfield battle necessarily, but maybe an undervalued player in Kareem Hunt. Do you guys see a big difference between between Kareem Hunt and A.J. Dillon? Uh, in NFC ADP, A.J. Dillon is going in round 6, 68th overall. Kareem Hunt, 92nd overall, late round 8. Um, I'll look in fantasy pros. But do you see a big difference between the two, A.J. Dillon and Kareem Hunt? Well, yes. If you stand them next to each other, it's, it's glaring. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the first part go ahead uh, go ahead Dave well I don't like that he's coming off a season with four separate injuries and I also don't like that he's got a guy behind him who might be as good of a rusher if not better in D. Ernest Johnson and there have been some slight rumblings about Kareem Hunt um, not being a part of the Browns for much longer I don't know if I necessarily buy into that especially if the team doesn't have a, a good quarterback solution to begin the season. They can go running back heavy. They definitely need somebody behind Nick Chubb that they trust. Hunt is that guy. Dearness Johnson might be that guy. We'll see what happens there, but it, that could quickly devolve into a two-headed machine if Nick Chubb gets hurt because I think they like what they saw from Dearness Johnson last year. I look at Kareem Hunt as a number three running back. I'm not drafting him in the same lens that I drafted him in last year, whereas A.J. Dillon for sure, the the one B in Green Bay. He had nearly as many touches per game as Aaron Jones uh, to finish up last season and into the playoffs. They like what they've gotten him. I wonder if he takes over in short yardage situations and takes that work away from Aaron Jones. That's another team that has some questions about its passing game. At least its receivers, not really passing, because you know Aaron Rodgers. No, they do. I, th I think yeah, it's fair with to the say. receivers. It's right. a question, and so they could load up on the run. And both those guys could get a good amount of work. And there, there will definitely be games this year. I'm looking at like that game against the Lions that they'll play where they could just run down their throats. They could each have 15 carries in that game. They might get to 20 touches each in that game. So I, I'm far more interested to take Dylan ahead of Hunt. And I, I honestly, I look at Hunt as someone who's not going to be as productive as he was in the past unless... Nick Chubb gets hurt, and even when that happens, I think Dearness Johnson will mix in a little bit more than he might have last year or the year before. I agree with uh, Dylan over Hunt. I would do that, but I I think Dave, you're selling Hunt a little short because by all indications, and this was just a report in June, that he's going to still be a part of the team, and they were on the field a lot together during OTAs in terms of Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think Jacoby Brissett is a dream for Kareem Hunt because they're going to be in a lot of third down and long situations, and Nick Chubb will not be on the field in those scenarios, and Kareem Hunt could potentially be on the field a ton in those scenarios. And we saw that uh, even with the Dolphins, you know, where Jacoby Brissett got a chance to play, and he was just dumping off to his running backs again. He's got, you know, the inability to look down the field and have success. As you said, Adam, uh, he's a fantasy nightmare. Poison. Um, uh, Brissett is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's great for Kareem Hunt's situation as a pass catcher. So I, I think his value is unbelievable um, because of the situation you noted, Dave, that his he's he's an injury away from, even if Dearness Johnson's getting some touches, which I would expect, Kareem Hunt will get the majority of work because he was getting the majority. He was getting significant enough work in tandem with Nick Chubb last season before he got hurt. And he was awesome 
in those first six games as he tends to be when he's on the field. 17.8 PPR points per game in his first five. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's still, I think a significant piece of this offense. So uh, where you can get him is great. Yes. He should be drafted as a number three running back, but uh, the upside is league winner. And the, the downside is somebody that you can still use as a flex. And the last three seasons, Cleveland running backs have rushed for 12, which isn't great, 18 and 17 touchdowns. So the last two seasons, 35 rushing touchdowns just by their running backs. And in three games without Baker Mayfield in 2021, not that he was so great, but he was better than the backup uh, quarterbacks. The backup quarterbacks didn't even throw for 200 yards in any of those three games. Cleveland ran the ball running backs, just running back carries, 28, 24, and 35 times. Um, so I did want to bring that up. I think 92nd is really late, and he's actually, he, Kareem Hunt is going 77th in fantasy pros. That might be more accurate, but 92nd feels like incredible value for him. Where did you get him, Jamie? In the s- late sixth round? Sixth round. Yeah, yeah, almost the end of the sixth round, which would have been 71st overall, I think. Here's here's just the targets from Miles Gaskin last year in the games that Jacoby Brissett played. Five, six, ten, and six. It was that Bucks game where he had like 10 catches, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 10 targets, 10 catches, 74 yards, and two touchdowns. So just the targets. <laughs> right. So five, six, 10, six, and six. I mean, it's, it's Jacoby Brissett's dream for Kareem. <laughs> right, let's get into more how many carries did he have in those games? Uh, he had 20 and one, 12 and mm-hmm. another, uh, five and one, 13 and another. All right. So there's room for Hunt to get some carries on top of the catches then with Brissett. Well, I mean, it's a different yeah. offense. The Browns are going to run the ball no matter what. The Dolphins were scared to run the ball last year, understandably so. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that offensive line, that coach, um, these two backs, you know, you lose Deshaun Watson, which we all expect is probably going to happen today. So, um, And it's, if they do stick with Brissett, I mean, you know, there's some rumblings that they may go after Garoppolo if he's cheap and available uh, once he's released by San Francisco, which would just be crazy if they still had Baker on the roster. Uh, but in any event, um, I, yeah, I, I think if you if you uh, if you like Kareem Hunt, you're all, you're almost rooting for Jacoby Brissett to be the starter for the Browns. Okay, let's uh, talk about this afternoon. Scott Fish is actually in the chat right now. He's watching our show, and he'll be on our live stream because we're doing a Scott Fishbowl mock. And there's some wacky scoring and some unique rules that you got to know about if you're in the Scott Fishbowl or just interested in it. It is a super flex league. It is tight end premium. So if you're in any types of those leagues, you're gonna love this live stream. 1 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We're going to have a new mock draft every Tuesday, that time, that place, 1 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash fantasy football today. The best way to know about it is to hit subscribe on the channel. Hit like the videos, by the way. And you can set alerts to know when we're about to be live on the air. Uh, we also have, I think, a mailbag on Friday that's going to air Monday. Monday is July 4th, so we won't have a live show that day, but... I think we're going to do a mailbag on Friday uh, if I can get someone to do it with me. And um, you can send your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We can also read some Apple podcast questions. But stay tuned for that. I'll make an announcement when we figure that out. News and notes. Uh, ESPN did a kind of a cool feature. They asked each team's beat writer for one uh, training camp surprise. or Sorry, a mini camp surprise. And some of the names that stood out, Nico Collins for the Texans. Davis Mills said that they have to find a way to get second-year wide receiver Nico Collins the ball. Um, head coach Brandon Staley of the Chargers said that Jalen Guyton, another young wide receiver, had a fantastic offseason. 
And ESPN's Cardinals guy, Josh Weinfuss, said that Eno Benjamin will be the front runner to back up James Conner. That was pretty interesting. And that of Daryl Williams. Yeah. That's that's what that's what I read last night. Eno Benjamin will be the front runner to back up James Conner. That's according to ESPN. What I remember about Eno Benjamin from his college days was that he was a good third down back. Scat back type. Small, good hands, shifty. Definite compliment to James. You said Conner. shifty, right? Shifty. There's an <laughs> F in there, yes. And Mitchell Trubisky, this is not from ESPN, but Mitchell Trubisky, just another report, I think, The Athletic this time, over and over again. Kenny Pickett, right now, I wouldn't project him to be your week one starter. It looks like it's Trubisky's job to lose as of now. We're going to take a break. A lot more backfield battles to talk about. Houston, Denver, Seattle, Atlanta, Washington, Philadelphia? Question marks on these. My gosh, the octaves. (laughs) We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we got a top five list of backfield battles to watch, courtesy of Jamie Eisenberg. Dave will give his critiques, and we will talk about a lot more backfields. But here's your top five. Miami, number one. We already discussed this. Chase Edmonds, 93rd overall in Fantasy Pros. Mostert, 143rd. Michelle, 182nd. Uh, Houston, Denver, Seattle, and Kansas City. Kansas City was the one that Dave gave at the top of the show as well. And we think that you can get, uh, right now, you can get Ronald Jones about 60 picks after Clyde edwards Lair, if that's the case, then you want Ronald Jones. Um, all right, I got to switch your order here, Jamie, because this was not in particular. It wasn't in okay, order. Okay, 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 yeah. We can't have Houston number two. We got to have Denver number two. So, do you think oh, there's I mean, a lot? Denver should probably be one. Fair enough. But we already talked about Miami, so we'll leave it there. Miami's got some uncertainty. Denver, I, that's not well, the Miami, Miami, to me, is the one that we just have no idea right. that could be good. Yeah, and, and Denver wouldn't use the word uncertainty. So how would you kind of uh, 
assess the Denver situation right now? Well, I mean, if you go based on last year, it's going to be messy because they they split carries exactly the same. And Javante had a little bit bigger role in the passing game. We Nobody wants to see that, especially the way that you're drafting, unless you just are waiting out Melvin Gordon and hoping that he's just as successful as he was last year, which will be a very good fantasy option given the draft capital. But, you know, the hope would be is that Javante Williams takes a step forward. He had a fantastic, you know, uh, offseason so far uh, by all accounts. Um when I spoke to Cortland Sutton, this is before Melvin Gordon came back. He was, you know, over the moon for what Javante Williams could do this season. So that's just one perspective of a guy and his team. Uh, but in any event, you know, if Javante Williams does not take a significant step forward, he's going to probably, I don't want to say a, be a bust, but be overvalued as a early third round, and in some cases still a second round pick. But I, I think he is going to take a step forward. I probably would expect, at worst case scenario, a 60-40 split in terms of, rushing downs and then we saw the one game when melvin gordon missed uh week 13 against the chiefs when he had i think it was eight catches or nine catches in that game uh, clearly different quarterback and and different system play call etc but uh he was a do-it-all threat that we love to see you know, in terms of you know being a three down guy working at the goal line so um i think both guys are worth drafting gordon's a great value pick still but hopefully javante williams does establish himself as the guy in this backfield so unfortunately javante williams NFC ADP since June 1st is 16th. Fantasy Pros ADP is 18th. So getting him in round three would be a steal. And Melvin Gordon is going about 100th overall. So who would you rather have? I think it's a legit question. I mean, it might seem obvious, but Javante Williams at 18th or Melvin Gordon at 100? It's more fun to take Javante at 18th. It's reaching. There's no question about it. He's a late second, early third type of player. But... The upside is huge. We talked about it with Cleveland. What happens if Nick Chubb gets hurt? Well, Melvin Gordon's 30 years old. What happens if he gets hurt? Well, who would you rather have, though, at the ADPs? 18 I'd rather have Javante because I think the upside is humongous. And the downside is a 50-50 split. We'll be frustrated because he's right around 11 or 12 PPR points per game. But I imagine this offense is going to be a lot more exciting now that Russ is there and that Nathaniel Hackett's there. And if Russ has any kind of say over who the running back is on the field with him, a la Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Go look and see who had the better pass blocking grade last year from PFF. Here's a hint. He's in his second season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, you, you, you'd you love Javante if there's a Melvin Gordon injury, but it goes both ways. If there's a Javante injury, Melvin Gordon's going to be amazing as well because the same offense, the same thing that, you know, Russell Wilson is going to bring to that team. And it's not just, okay, I'm taking Javante in round two and Melvin in uh, pick 100. What did you say? 100 what? 100. 100, he said. 100. On the dot. It's the receiver you're passing up in round two and then getting Melvin Gordon in pick 100 as opposed to maybe what you're getting at pick 100 to get a piece of this backfield. So, I don't know. I'm going to take Melvin Gordon and pick 100 if that's the choice. All right, let's go to Seattle. Boy, Rashad Penny was amazing in the last six games of the season. And that included a 10 carry for 35-yard, one touchdown game against San Francisco, which had arguably the best run defense in football. But in those last six games, his 17-game pace was exactly 2,000 rushing yards on only 289 carries. Rashad Penny averaged 6.9 yards per carry in the last six games of the season. My favorite stats about him, he had 11 carries. all Throughout the year, he had 119 carries. 11 of them went for 20 or more yards. That is insane. Nick Chubb had 12 carries of 20 more yards on 109 more carries than Rashad Penny. Jonathan Taylor had 14 carries of 20-plus yards compared to 11 for Penny, and he had 213 more carries 
than Rashad Penny. So he was the most explosive running back, I'd say, in football last year, Rashad Penny. And Dave, do you buy that he is the, the front runner, as we saw a report last week, to, uh, to you know, be the number one ca- uh, ball carrier for the Seattle Seahawks? I buy it. I think he is that guy. I think Seattle has time on their side when it comes to Ken Walker and letting him just kind of take his time and get used to the game. That's not to say that he won't play, but he's he's got an uphill battle to just split reps 50-50 with Rashad Penny. Uh, I think back to the owners' meetings when I was talking with Pete Carroll about Rashad Penny, and he insisted on talking about Rashad Penny, and he was glowing about everything from how his rushing average reminded him of Gale Sayers to you know other metrics that he spewed. When everybody knows who saw him, he was outstanding at the end of last year. And everybody also knows what the downside is with him. And that's that he gets hurt. And that's why people are kind of attracted to Ken Walker is because Penny has a very serious track record of missing playing time. And if that's going to be the case, then Ken Walker is going to have a huge workload in front of him in an offense that wants to run the football a lot. And I think he's a good fit for the offense. I think he could end up being... um, a, a, a real good season-long type of fantasy running back because I expect Penny to get hurt. But at the same time, if we're if I'm going zero RB or hero RB and I need running back starting in the mid-rounds, Penny's at the top of the list because he's healthy now. And as long as he's healthy and ready to go, if I can squeeze out three or four great games before he gets hurt, because it feels inevitable that he's going to get hurt, uh, I'm thrilled to take him with a mid-round pick. Jamie, their ADPs are almost identical. On Fantasy Pros, they're going 88th and 90th. Rashad Penny just ahead. In NFC, I think still since June 1st, uh, Walker's slightly ahead, but he's you know toward 80, and Penny's more like 90, I think. But who would you take first, Rashad Penny or Ken Walker? I think it's it's fascinating that that Penny has passed Walker now, and we'll see what happens when we get to you know the majority of drafts in August. Um, I still would take Walker first, but I'm glad that they're close. They should be close, you know, and this is an easy backfield to draft together because you can potentially go back to back rounds and get both of them. Um, So it's not a bad scenario. If this is your three and your four, obviously you love it. If it's your four and your five and in terms of your fantasy backfield. So, you know, this, this is one you want to see, you know, how it shakes out. You know, they both dealt with injuries so far this off season, which is not encouraging for Walker. Uh, As Dave mentioned, it's clearly the norm for Penny, but he came back and, and then Walker missed time. So hopefully there's nothing that's going to keep either one out in training camp. We get to see how this unfolds. But, I mean, you know what this team's going to be. If they get a quarterback upgrade, there's going to be a lot more excitement about the Seahawks across the board. You know, So if it's Baker, if it's Garoppolo, if they somehow manage somebody else that's just an upgrade over Geno Smith or Drew Locke, no disrespect to those guys, but you know what their careers have been. And so if there's if there's a quarterback upgrade there, it's going to be probably bump both those guys up, and then it could be just a little bit too pricey. But right now I think it's worth taking a chance on both of them. I would take Walker first. All right, our next backfield battle is in Houston. I'm going to throw Atlanta in there. I'm going to lump Houston and Atlanta together. I asked this to Heath yesterday on Fantasy Football Today in 5. When you look at Houston and Atlanta, what are the what's the likelihood that we get a top 24 running back or, you know, really consequential running back, someone who's more than just a desperation flex, I guess, in either Houston or Atlanta? Jamie, I'll give you the first word. Well, I mean, we got one last year in Patterson. And so, you know, can he do it again? I don't think a lot of people are excited about that proposition. But, you know, it was the first time that he got an opportunity to be a featured running back for an extended, you know, season, essentially. And he came through and and did great until he had the high ankle sprain. 
which he probably should not have played through. Um, you know, you have to wonder how much wear and tear was a, was a factor there, but you know, the odds are stacked against them because I think you're going to see Houston split cut touches, you know, probably Marlon Mack early in the season. And then Damian Pierce later in the season and Tyler Algier is going to be an upgrade over what Mike Davis was last year. So at least that's the hope. And so he'll do a little bit too much to probably impact Cordero Patterson. But, um, I think there's still a lot of value in these two backfields to get guys that could have some pockets of success, you know, three, four weeks here of maybe one or two guys on each team combined. So uh, for me, it's Pearson in Houston, but I wouldn't overlook Marlon Mack. And then I'd still take Patterson over Algier, but Algier is a good guy to wait for if you just want to see what happens. Yeah, and Patterson is going, Dave, right in the same range as Penny and Walker, about 78th, 80th overall in Fantasy Pros ADP. Yep. Um, and then the other guys are just late round picks, so they're they're good values. Pierce and Algier and and Mac for you know Mac's not even on the radar. I don't think uh, he should He's another. He's another. He's on the radar. He should be. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a zero RB target. I, I would take Rashad Penny way ahead of him, but I'm, he's still uh, in the mix. I, I if these guys stay healthy all season long, they've got a shot to crack the top twenty four at running back. It's kind of the key to being a top twenty four running back is playing. 15 well, plus games. I don't want to get too fixated on where they finish. I guess in a, in a less um, mathematical way, just a reliable running back for your fantasy team, someone that you actually want so, to roster. They will have their moments, which is just another way of saying what Jamie said about them having pockets. So if you draft Pierce or draft Algier, and I would take Algier ahead of Pierce, I would, I would be patient with them. I wouldn't drop them if they do diddly-poo for the first three or four weeks of the season. You've got to give them a chance to understand what they're doing and then get a chance to see meaningful playing time. But the the one that I, I'm, I'm more excited about, Algier, um, Pierce might be a little more talented, but he's never been like a full-time, big workload type of running back. He's always seemed to split. Or last year when he was the main guy in, in Florida, uh, he, he just didn't get a ton of work. Algiers had a ton of work, and I could see Algier being given an opportunity, especially if the Falcons like what they see from him, and the reports have been positive so far, uh, if they move Patterson to wide receiver. And now they they trot out you know, their, their two-receiver package would be London and Patterson. They'd have Kyle Pitts, and they'd have Algier in the backfield. That's a big squad. That's going big because Algier, just people might not know who he is. He, he's a big runner like Derrick Henry, but he can catch too. And so he's he's got some promise to be helpful in this Atlanta offense. At bare minimum, they can use him as a short yardage goal line back right away. Damian Pierce did not have more than 15 carries in any game in his career in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I will say, though, I, I brought this up, I don't know when, a few weeks ago, but uh, Josh Jacobs only had two games in his college career with fifteen, with more than fifteen carries, and then in week one of his rookie season, he had twenty three carries. Mm-hmm. So it didn't sure. matter. Does it matter to you guys, Damian Pierce? These are these are round. These are day three guys. Damian Pierce was an early fourth round pick. Tyler Algier was a fifth round pick, and not a great track record of day three running backs as rookies. You know, coming now. Tell that to Elijah Mitchell, James Robinson. Obviously, can happen. Uh, but not a great track record. Does it matter to you where they were drafted? Not necessarily, because they ended up in good spots where there's a chance for them to compete for playing time right away. And this is where I think you, know, you start to look at talent versus opportunity. Obviously, the NFL didn't view them as elite-level talents, which is fine. As Dave said, Pierce is a part-time player. Algier wasn't exactly 
uh, a dominant standout when he was, you know, doing some pretty good things at, at BYU. Uh, the thing I like about Pierce is he was on a very talented, you know, Gators team um, that when he got a chance, you know, and, and the thing that I like the most about, you know, his numbers from last year in a part-time role, still got 19 catches, you know? And so, you know, when they were using him, they were using him in a passing downs role, which I don't think a lot of people expect him to be used in that way. Uh, he averaged over 5.6 yards per carry for the majority of his career. So he does have the you know, ability to break some long runs. And so he's not Josh Jacobs, clearly. That's not, you know, a, a fair comparison. I know why you're doing it, Adam, but it's, oh, it's I just, not. I just mean yeah, that I know, even I know. if he didn't get the carries in college. Right. You yeah, I, I get it. But yeah. mm-hmm. he's not going to be that. But if this Texans offense and, and the Falcons offense as well, if both these teams progress from where they were a year ago, I think we could all see it for Houston because it was such a disaster early in the year and they started to pick things up once Davis Mills took over and they added, you know, a few more talented pieces, um, especially, you know, if, if the Falcons decide to give Algier that opportunity um, both these guys could just be tremendous value picks for you, and they're worth taking a chance on as more number four running backs. But you know the ability to be flex options, the ability maybe to be a number two play, better and probably not in half PPR certainly for Algier. Uh, but I do think that there's a chance that both by the time the end of the season rolls around, you know we're we're talking about them as why didn't we draft these guys a little bit sooner? They're perfect mid to late round targets for those teams that do take running backs plural early. Because then you're going to be more willing to be patient to see what unfolds with Pierce, with Algier. Yeah, but we never talk about Cordero Patterson. Before his high ankle sprain, oh, he, was, he was the number eight like usual, running you know. back in fantasy and <laughs> number six wide receiver. Uh, he didn't get that many carries until week five or six, but, um, you know, he... He was he was basically a he no he wasn't basically he was a must start he was kind of a league winner for a while he hurt his ankle and you know, he put you in a position to win your league absolutely and he, he struggled toward the, down the stretch but do you think going 80th overall do you, what are the chances we're saying wow we should have drafted Cordaro Patterson earlier certainly could um, you know it's it's just hard to expect a 31 year old converted wide receiver to do that again on an offense that's still probably going to struggle, that did add more pieces to the passing game. So, you know, you referenced this uh, yesterday, Adam, about just how poorly Matt Ryan played or his production was poor. Um, from the passing game should hopefully improve, you know, even just with these two guys splitting, you know, the time in terms of uh, Mariota and Ritter. So, you know, if the passing game is better, a little less reliant on the run, you know, could lead to more scoring opportunities. But, um he had to, in, in a lot of ways, this just sounds funny, but to carry the Falcons last year. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year because Pitts will be better. London will be an improvement, uh, hopefully at some point over what Russell Gage was giving them, not from necessarily a production standpoint, but just from a play standpoint. And that this offense is just a little bit better throwing the ball. So I think Patterson's fine. Uh, I have no problem with him in that spot. Um, but I do think that Algier being an upgrade over Mike Davis is going to impact what Cordero Patterson did last season. And for whatever it's worth, they have Damian Williams. Yeah, I was too. about to say we should maybe just say uh, Damian. Is Williams there name. is there a path where Cordero Patterson gets drafted onto fantasy teams as a running back, but his role changes? Like I said, and maybe not necessarily. Oh, he's a full time wide receiver, and he's back to the position that he was originally drafted to. But maybe he ends up like second half twenty twenty one Debo, where he gets a handful of carries and a few targets each week. I mean, he was kind of doing that. To a degree, last year he had a lot more carries than targets most of, most of the time. But imagine getting a running back at pick eighty who is playing wide receiver a little bit more, but you can use him in your running back spot. That's kind of cool. 
All right, let's see uh, the other other backfields to watch. Dallas, Washington, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Bills, the Packers, the Raiders. Um, we'll go through these. I'll give you guys some ADP, but the, the ones we're really focusing on are or have focused on so far, but you know we're looking at it in training camp. Miami, what are the reports out of Denver, Seattle, Houston plus Atlanta, kind of in a similar situation there, and the Kansas City Chiefs. The other, uh, the other backfields to watch. How about Dallas? I'll give you guys ADP. Would you rather have Zeke thirty-two overall or Pollard at eighty-two overall? Hmm. I'll take the chance on Pollard. Yeah. Earlier today, you said Chase Edmonds. You expect if if either Mostert or Michelle is healthy, twelve carries per game for Edmonds. What about Pollard? If Zeke is healthy, less than that. Based on what we saw last year, but he—he he sh- no, I think he gets more than six. I bet he gets closer to ten. But you're, you're drafting Pollard for you know depth one, and on the hope that Zeke is bad again or gets hurt. And that's really what it is. Pollard's very talented. He's a really good player. He can make explosive plays. He can get six to ten touches per game. And still give you a palatable stat line as a number three running back. I'd rather have Kareem Hunt. I think that's kind of obvious at this point, but there's a path for him to be a league winner and a top five running back if Zeke stinks. Uh, Washington, Antonio Gibson's going 37th overall. JD McKissick, 136th overall in full PPR. He had 43 catches in 11 games last season. Um, so, including zero on one touch in week one. That was. Week one, lessons learned. J.D. McKissick has no role. Uh, He's probably thinking, I'd love to be in Buffalo right about now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, what do you think? uh, McKissick, 136, Gibson, 37th, or just take a shot on Brian Robinson? Jamie, what do you do with Washington? There was a report from Ben Standig in The Athletic, uh, who does a great job covering the commanders, that they drafted Robinson to be there. I think he used the word running back hammer, or the phrase running back hammer. And one thing that he brought up was that he could have the goal line opportunities and that Gibson had some fumble issues in those spots last season. He did. If that's the case and McKissick is playing on passing downs, Antonio Gibson could just be a terrible fantasy pick this year because he'll be a lot of empty carries. And so round four is probably still an okay spot to draft Antonio Gibson, but he feels certainly like a dead zone type of guy this year. Uh, Robinson is a great late round flyer because of Gibson, who we know has battled through some injuries. If he does succumb to those and miss a significant time, uh, maybe Robinson has a lot of value. McKissick certainly is going to have a value in PPR, but probably that's it. And so it's a backfield I would prefer to avoid, uh, but I have no problem, I guess, taking a flyer on Robinson if, if the value is right late. In Philadelphia, Miles Sanders is going 66th, Kenneth Gainwell 154th. That's in PPR on Fantasy Pros. Looking at mm. NFC ADP, Miles Sanders is going 84th. I mean, just a huge difference. 66th on on uh, Fantasy Pros, 84th on NFC. And Gainwell is going to be a late-round pick in any format, 142nd on NFC. So, Dave, when would you take Miles Sanders, and do you want to take Kenneth Gainwell? Yes on Gainwell, late-round six on Sanders. I'm tired of getting burned by Sanders, and it sure seems like he's got the opportunity to be the the first running back on the field for Philadelphia, at least to start the year. And he did okay. He, or maybe he was even better than okay. He was good when he played, but everyone knows he didn't get any touchdowns last year. That's going to change. 
I, I don't think he's ever going to be a workhorse running back. I think that ship has sailed. And so if you're drafting him, he's at best a number two running back, and he might be closer to the bottom of the number twos than the top of the number twos. He gets hurt frequently, he messes up in passing situations, and when he gets into short yardage situations, I believe he had only, I, I think it was six carries from three yards or closer with no touchdowns last year. It might be lower than six. But he's not really that just bad. That's not uh, well. Not, not, not scoring. Good. You're getting the ball three yards or closer. That means you're you're getting the ball in your belly with the intention of finding the end zone. He couldn't do it. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts did it a ton. Other running backs in Philadelphia did it a ton. Uh, Gainwell even got the job done on an occasion. Or he had two five rushing touchdowns. Boston Scott had seven. Jordan Howard had three. Right. Miles so Sanders like it's it's, it's it's crazy. But at the same time, like there's probably some truth to it that Miles Sanders isn't great in those situations. Coaches might not trust him. It's sure to be a backfield that's going to give you a headache in fantasy. I really don't love recommending taking him even in round six because I don't want to draft headaches. And Sanders is probably going to be one. Yeah, I love Miles Sanders around six. I would even take him around five. Um, you know, you say not not a workhorse running back. When he came back from the first injury and they were in this run-heavy mode, uh, 16 carries in week 11 against New Orleans, that's a really good run defense. Again, only 94 yards, but I think, as you noted, Dave, I agree he's going to score more touchdowns. Week 13 against the Jets, yeah, 24 cool. carries for 120 yards. Uh, week eight, week 15 against Washington, this was after I think their bye was week 14. Um, 18 carries, 131 yards. So I think he's going to be a tremendous bounce back player this year because his offense is going to be more explosive. He's in a contract situation. And so if he gets hurt, that's the risk, but it's the risk with a lot of guys. Um, I think the value in round six is fantastic for what the upside is. As long as there's not somebody else added, which would clearly hurt both of these guys, I'm trying to get both of them because I think the value for both of them is good. I think Kenneth Gainwell showed you in some small spurts last year that he can be successful. And he was doing that at times with Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders healthy. So I like the upside for both these guys because we know Gainwell's an injury away and Sanders missed four games each of the last two seasons, at least four games each of the last two seasons. Um, he's an injury away from being, a, a, I think, a, a lottery ticket type of guy. I've got Sanders. I said six carries, three yards or closer. It's four. So didn't really even get a lot of opportunities when he did play to score touchdowns from short yardage. How does that change when other running backs did, did a better job than he did? Because he's their guy. Howard healthy or active? I'd have to see, but probably not a ton of them. But Boston Scott was, Gainwell was. I think it's it's a little overstated. I mean, when when Miles Sanders was healthy, he was their guy. Yep. Now, one problem with the stat you gave Jamie with you know how many carries he got after the when he came back from the injury, and when he came back from the injury, kind of late in the season, mid to late in the season, they were in that run heavy offense. He did get a lot of carries, but he only got fifty three percent of the running back carries because they were just running the ball so much 30 times a game. So even though he got a lot, if they, if they reduce those carries, which we expect, it might mean more like, mm. I don't know, 13, 14 carries per but game. He's but still getting the majority of them and Howard's not there. And he left one of those games early too. I think it was the giants game. So yeah, I mean, he is their guy, you know, and earlier in the year he wasn't getting that many carries, but he actually was getting a huge chunk of the running back carries. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, I, I keep, you guys, we bring him up a lot. I know you guys like him, but he was drafted as the best, maybe the best pass catching running back in the twenty like twenty twenty one. Naheem Hines. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't know that he gets that lottery ticket role. I mean, for example, last year they brought in Jordan Howard, and Howard and Boston Scott both played ahead of Kenneth Gainwell. So I just don't. 
I never really understand why you guys feel that way about Gainwell. Well, I mean, you're also talking about a rookie coming in and asking him to do that role for what he was. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be when I when I say lottery ticket. I don't think he's going to be you know uh, a, a success story from his carries. I think it's going to be his total yardage and his workload overall. All right, all right. Let's uh, finish up here. Jacksonville, we really need to see obviously what's going on with James Robinson, but there was a report recently that Robinson was expected to be cleared at some point during training camp, not the start, but at some point in training camp. So ETN's going to be tough. I mean, let me see the ADPs here on these guys and let's see who you'd rather have. James Robinson is going 106th overall. Travis ETN is going 47th overall. Dave, who would you rather have? ETN, because I don't know if Robinson's going to be ready for the first six weeks of the season. All right, but but like I said, let, in the hypothetical scenario where he's cleared, he's back in training camp, he's ready for Well, then he's one. not going to go that late if he's cleared. All right. He'll be a round six pick. Ooh. You think so? It, yes. Two Jacksonville if, running if backs going in the first six if, rounds? If he's practicing and he's back, I think people will gravitate right back to him, and I think you'll see him go in that round six range, yes. Well, then where is ETN going to go? He'll fall. He won't be around four or five pick. You, who, He'll who probably will be go right fat? in that same round six range. We'll go okay. So then, if they're both ready for week one, who's I'm probably going to lead toward ETN because I think he's closer to being healthy and and he's certainly more explosive than Robinson. And what's your read, Jamie? Uh, I think they like ETN a lot. Um, you know, especially Robinson. I think they're going to ease him in, even if he is ready to go by the start of the season. So uh, ETN around four is fine. Um, Robinson, I think, is. Uh, you know, the earliest I think we'll probably see him go is maybe round six if he's 100%, but probably closer to round eight. Um, I don't know. I just it's, it's hard to trust a guy like him who's a little bit bigger than K-Makers um, in an offense that's clearly not as good as the Rams offense for him to come back and be as successful. And I, I have a lot of James Robinson and Keeper in Dynasty Leagues, so I'm hoping he's going to come back and be good. But um, I think ETN's arrow is certainly pointing up. And, and he, his role, he will still have a role, uh, a significant role, if Robinson is there, Robinson, you know, could lose early down work to ETN. And we know he's not going to play over him on passing that situations. So ETN could potentially run away with his backfield if he's as good as he was in college, which he was pretty damn good at Clemson. He could also be the team leader in receptions. So just face it. He's explosive quarterback. Trusts him. He's yeah. been working on it this off season. He's did it in college. He had 83 catches his last two years at Clemson. And this seems going to throw a lot if James Robinson isn't healthy. What, what what running back do they have? Otherwise, they'd have to add somebody else. I think I they think. throw if Robinson is healthy regardless. Yeah. Uh, this is a team that's going to throw 600 times this year. ETN could lead the team in receptions. Connect the dots. Okay. Uh, do you feel there are legitimate backfield battles for the Jets, the Bills, the Packers, or the Raiders? Jets, Bills, Packers, Raiders. Jets, no. Bills, no. Uh, Raiders, no. What was the other one? Packers. No. I think there's a lot of TBD with those teams. Um, I We'll see with Brees Hall. Brees Hall's got to go to camp and play well. And if he does, does he run away with it? Does he take 20 touches a week? I don't know if the coaching staff in New York really believes that. I don't know if they really think that they, I don't know if they would be willing to give a running back that type of work. If he's eons better than Michael Carter, then probably. But I think Michael Carter's pretty good, especially if he's going to be the second back in line behind Brees Hall. 
Hall's the number one. I'm not trying to say that this is going to be a 50-50 split or anything like that, but you're going to see Michael Carter get some work. And if Carter comes to camp looking good and Brees Hall doesn't know what he's doing, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is a chance of a 50-50 split or maybe it'll be 60-40 Carter to begin the season. You're going to mutter, why did I take a, you know, this rookie with a top 50 pick? That's one to be determined. The workload split in Green Bay is to be determined. I don't think that there's a huge issue in Buffalo. Singletary makes sense as their lead back with James Cook being an air back. But we don't know. What if James Cook does a good job running the ball there too? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I think all those I think all those backfields, it, it remains to be seen and just something to monitor leading up to your drafts. Advanced metrics, very favorable on James Cook in college. He ran the ball really well. And uh, Jacob, Jacob Gibbs did a profile on him a few weeks ago. You can listen to it in this feed or in the Fantasy Football Today in 5 feed. But he had a lot of very positive things to say about James Cook. It could be one of those guys where he gets an opportunity and he you know runs with it. But they've already called him... I don't know if they call them what a change of pace back, complimentary back, I think they call them in Buffalo. So I don't think he's going to start that way, but he's got some abilities. He's an explosive running back. He's just small. Right. He's small. Yeah. But uh, if he if if he can play through that, which he's shown obviously in college that he can, and Singletary stumbles out of the gate, watch out. James Cook could be your league winner. I made AJ Dillon the thumbnail of this video. Uh, before I knew who, what we were going to talk about, it looks like AJ Dillon is yelling at Dave in the thumbnail or trying to eat Dave. <laughs> so we should uh, just talk I'm about high that. High cholesterol. He shouldn't eat me. <laughs> I don't think it's a necessarily a backfield battle, but it, there is uncertainty about the roles, as you alluded to, Dave. That uh, there is, you know, could could be extremely fantasy relevant. Is is I think biggest question is he going to catch passes because AJ Dillon really did not catch passes when Aaron Jones was healthy. His catches came without Aaron Jones, or maybe there was one game without Aaron Rodgers against the Chiefs, or Dylan had a lot of catches, I don't remember. But with Rodgers, with Aaron Jones, he was not uh, involved in the passing game, really. So does that change, Dave, do you think? I I think it doesn't change in terms of A.J. Dillon being on the field in passing down situations. So third and seven, he'll be on the sideline. Second and 10, he'll be on the sideline. But when it's second and five or first and 10 and they call a pass play and Rodgers decides to check it down or they call a, a you know a dump screen to the running back, yeah, I think that they're comfortable enough with A.J. Dillon that they could use him uh, in the same way that they would use Aaron Jones on those in those situations. But when it is an obvious passing situation, I bet it's Aaron Jones. That means that Jones is going to have more catches. Oh, sure, yeah. I think everybody's expecting that. Yeah. The other thing is the goal line. Uh, AJ, that's, that's AJ, a, I think that's a, a legit question. Yeah. Well, he, he AJ Dillon didn't really get that work until Aaron Jones got hurt in week 10, I believe it was. Five of his 10 carries inside the five yard line came in the, in the Seattle game when Jones left with an injury, and then the Rams game when Jones played totally hurt and probably shouldn't have been playing. All of Dillon's 10 carries inside the five yard line came in week 10 or later. So he didn't have any before Aaron Jones left the Seattle game with an injury. We'd expect that to change, right? I mean, they're probably both going to be working there. Was that what you'd guess? I would. I mean, that's, that's, that's the expectation based on everything that's come out of, you know, OTAs in this offseason. And just to go back to, you know, Dylan as a pass catcher, he had four games last season uh, with at least four catches. And in those games, uh, he scored at least 12 PPR points in all of those. So if they use him just a little bit more as a pass catcher, he averaged 15.6 PPR points per game in those in those four. So they use him even more as a pass catcher, 
which we expect uh, to whatever degree. You know, I don't know if he's catching four a game, but if he's, you know, uh, consistently in the three area, consistently catching three passes a game, uh, which is realistic in this offense, then I think we can see a situation where he's just a monster. So yeah, um, Jones is the better of the two, but Dylan shouldn't be far behind. I'm going to read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Oh, no, I put the answer to Dave. Don't read the notes. Okay, fine. Not for this one. Uh, this is from Bradley. Guess the player based on these clues. One, the player finished as a top 15 quarterback last year and scored more points per game than Derek Carr. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he changed teams during the offseason and arguably has improved his receiving options. Three, the player has oh, a, a top no. five season under his belt and has thrown exactly seven interceptions in four of the last five seasons. I think I know who it is. Okay, go. Those Car- are the Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, so, our emailer Bradley <sighs> says that he is under that Carson Wentz is underrated. He could be a solid streaming option in one QB leagues, and he's a super flex guy who's being significantly undervalued. Carson Wentz. I believe he's gotten off to a red-hot start each of the last three years, and then he stumbles. And uh, and that's it. He, he got off to a very good start last year, like the first half of the year, weeks one through nine. Let me do the math real quick. He averaged 21.2. Okay, maybe not red-hot, but good. Real good if you're in a two-quarterback league and you're waiting on your second quarterback good. Um, I, I'm nervous about him having that job all season long because if he goes in there and he stinks, do they go back to Heineke? Do they go to Sam Howell, their rookie? It's probably what they do. And so I don't think he's got great job security there like he had in Indianapolis last year. Does have a good receiving core. They're saying that he's connecting with Jahan Dotson like crazy at camp. And once he gets, he's got no one else to throw to. Right. Well, at least listen, it's a positive that Dotson's stepping up. I'm becoming a fan of Dotson. Uh, And when McLaurin gets back in there and he settles this contract squabble, he'll be, he'll be good for him too. There's a chance for him to be a real nice number two fantasy quarterback. Would you rather have Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz? I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather have Ryan. Scott Fish just announced that he can't wait to give away a Scott Fishbowl 12 spot to someone in the chat during the mock at 1 p.m. Eastern. Holy And God. a podcast league spot, too. That is not true. He did not say that, and that's not what he's giving away. <laughs> he doesn't have that power. But that is awesome. We are giving away a Scott Fishbowl spot in the mock draft today. All right, next email from Randall. I have the third pick in a full PPR keeper league. I am keeping Trey Lance in the 10th round and Leonard Fournette in the 8th round. Is using cool. my first three picks on top tier wideouts too bold? I just I don't know who's passing up at running back with each of those picks. But no, it isn't. You have Leonard no. Fournette, who's a second, probably a second round pick in the eighth. So mm-hmm. no, it's not too bold. I don't have a problem with it. Just don't don't ever go in your draft saying this is exactly what I'm going to do because if a running back slips. To when you're up and you can't believe it, you got to take them. This is from how many teams? He didn't say. Yeah, I don't know. Adam didn't say. Uh, From Juan. Hey, Mike, Will, Austin, and Josh. I will tell you who they are, and you can tell me what they have in common. Mike Williams, Will Fuller, Austin Hooper, 
they've all three already done this, and Josh Jacobs is hopefully going to do this. What do they have in common? Sign a large contract. What did they do before they signed the large contract? Contract. They had a breakout year. They had a great contract year season. So that is uh, Juan's question, I guess, is just to sum it up. Do, do you believe in the contract year? And can Josh Jacobs fall in that uh, category? They did not pick up his option, so he's in a contract year. And is there anyone else that comes to mind? Miles Sanders. Saquon. Saquon. Do you believe in it? Corey Davis is another guy that could have been on this list. He was, yep. I should scare the hell out of you if you draft Mike Williams. (laughs) I believe that the players are very aware that they're in a contract year and the majority of them are willing to do whatever it takes to get on the field and play. It is still not a guarantee that they're going to succeed for your fantasy team because stuff happens. But the players are more motivated when they're in a contract year. Jake Seeley was on from The Athletic. He was on, I, I don't know, a few months ago. Maybe it was last year or whenever. He, we've had him on a bunch. And he actually said he did some research on this. I hope I'm not misquoting, but I'm pretty sure it was him, and I'm pretty sure it was this research. And he found there were a lot of good contract year seasons, some mm-hmm. fine contract year yeah, seasons, some bad contract right, year seasons. Because only, it's not guaranteed. Might you have been be a, motivated. A baseball, think. It might have been a baseball story that he did. I can't remember because he used to cover baseball too. But I, I suspect it's that. I suspect there's some... Really good ones, some mediocre ones, and some really bad ones. So I don't think that's something we keep in mind when we draft, but hey, maybe maybe it's a tiebreaker. All right, from Lito. Dear, oh no. Dear Jose, Yoan, Yasmani, and Luis. Those are players on an underperforming, <laughs> poorly managed baseball team that should be running away with the American League Central, and instead they're in third place. They're entirely unmotivated. They're lazy. They stink. Don't get me started on the manager. But, but at the stadium, they were serving horchata milkshakes with a foot long churro coming out. What of the that. hell is that? What's what, a horchata, horchata milkshake? Yeah. What Look is it up? It tasted, uh, I didn't have it. Sounds, My it sounds had spicy. It. Nah, it, it's cinnamony. Oh. It tasted like cinnamon toast crunch. They said it tasted like a cinnamon toast crunch milkshake. And I can vouch for the churros at the stadium formerly known as Comiskey Park. It was, uh, <laughs> they, are, they have been good for, yeah, I, uh, whatever it's called. Who cares? Uh, Guaranteed Ray has, has an here. arrow pointing down, right? Is that the it, Right. Part? And so is the future of this franchise. It's going right into the toilet. I love it's it. just, it's, no, it's sad. It's very sad. All right. We got to, some DK Metcalf questions. I mean, Eloy Jimenez can't even get an extra base hit in AAA right now. Wow. He's, it seems like he's been down there for three months. Okay, so we got uh, some DK Metcalf questions. He's trying to get in his dynasty league. Um, but they do, hold on, they do have an excellent clubhouse manager. Thank okay, you. Okay, okay. So there's an inside <laughs> story there. And all right, so Lito wants to get a, a better quarterback starting in 2023. And he's got some DK Metcalf offers. So in League One, PPR League, the value moves up. I guess it's a keeper league, not the not a dynasty league. The value moves up one round each year, and you can't keep them once they get into the top three rounds. Metcalf, would you keep any of these guys over DK Metcalf? Metcalf is a sixth round pick. Would you keep Terrace Marshall in the twelfth round? Kadarius Tony in his average draft position plus three rounds? 
that'll be fairly late. Or Ronald Jones in the sixth round. No, I'm no. keeping DK. All right, League Two, half PPR league. Value moves up two rounds each year, and you can't get you can't keep them after they get into the top three rounds. DK Metcalf um, for a fourth next year and a second rounder in two years. He could keep him twice. I'm so confused. No, so far you're good. I get it. All right, so you can keep DK Metcalf. Oh, okay, okay. No, after they get into the top three rounds. So it'd be a sixth round this year and a fourth round next year. And then a second rounder after that. And then he can't keep him after that. No, he can't keep him in it. Yeah, you can. You can keep them with the second round pick, but once they're a second round right. pick, they don't have a round three rounds higher than the second round. All right. Doesn't exist. Math doesn't let it happen. All right, so pick three. So he can't keep them. DK Metcalf in round six, George Kittle in round five, AJ Dillon in round seven, JK Dobbins round 11. Which one are you throwing back? Metcalf round six, Kittle round five, Dillon round seven, Dobbins round 11. Throwing back Kittle. Yeah. Okay. Last question is from Andrew. Dynasty question. 12-team PPR Dynasty. I can keep seven players forever with no penalty. So help me pick the best returning injured running back. Travis Etienne or J.K. Dobbins? When does he have to decide? Yeah. That's a good question. He says June 27th. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was yesterday. Nah, I'm just kidding. Them. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if it's now, I would keep Etienne. If it's middle of training camp and Dobbins looks good, I'd keep Dobbins. I think I agree. All right. Who are the seven? The seven. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Joe Mixon, Trey Lance, and either J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne. Does he have to keep That's Lance? good. You know, it's a dynasty league. You figure there's probably not a lot of quarterbacks available. If oh. It's not a dynasty league unless you can keep everybody. I get he's called a dynasty keeping people. It's like a hybrid. Yeah, it's not. I guess. I mean, if if there are quarterbacks being thrown back, then, you know, you can make a different decision. I I mean, it's not a full dynasty league, so I would probably throw back Lance. All right. And keep those other running backs because I just yawned. That was bad. Bad etiquette. <laughs> at least Did you cover your mouth. No, it's, just, it's an oh hour. Oh my god! Hour in. So we're getting to look at your tonsils and everything. <laughs> All right. So Scott's giving away a fishbowl spot. I'm, ending, I'm gonna end this spot. podcast before you even say it. It's just, it's just not happening. I wish we had a league where ja- everybody that Jamie promised a spot to just played against it. It would be like 200 teams. We are going to have something great. called the FFT It'd Open, which is going to be similar to that. It's a copycat of the Scott Fishbowl for Fantasy oh. Football Today listeners. It's managed by one of our listeners, uh, Casey Simons. If you're interested, join our Facebook group, uh, which the link is in the episode description. Thanks, uh, everybody, for watching and listening. Dave and I are going to go record Fantasy Football Today in 5 if you want to hop over to that stream. Uh, otherwise, we will talk to you at 1 p.m. with Scott Fish, Tara Roberts joining us as well. We'll see you then. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.